0: Good afternoon everyone. Baim. <clears throat> we are continuing our study of Simha. We're in class number 88. Today's class has been generously sponsored: Le nishmat Ben Simbol alav Shalom, by our good friends Ezra and Merav Abadi and family, and also Lelu nishmat Natalie Navaba Denis, Natalie Beessh Shalom the third Yotzite, by Michael, Batesh, and children. Be'ezrat Hashem, today's class, and all the growth that comes from it, will be Le'ilui Nishmatam. We are in the middle of the Amida. and we're discussing the words, Velohe Avotenu. We already had two classes on the subject. Today will be our final class. We spoke last time <clears throat> about the way of Ami Israel is to hold on very tight to those who came before them and make sure they have a path that was set by the generations before. Just to finish that thought from last class. We find a berakha that Yaakov gives Yosef's children. It's one of the more famous berakhot in the Torah. It says that Yaakov came to bless Yosef. May et Yosef. And the blessing, I'll get to the end of the blessing, it says... He blessed them on that day. Look at this beautiful blessing. Which means that those who come to bless their children going forward, when they bless them, they will bless them through you. And they will say the following words. Yesimecha Elohim k'Ephraim This will be the blessing that the Jewish people will bless their children. They will tell their child, "May Hashem help you become like Ephraim and like Menashe." This is the berakha that we till today bless our children. With the <clears throat> teachings of, Yitzha- of Yaakov Avinu with, in, with his instruction, we continue to bless our children to be like Ephraim and Menashe. The obvious question is, why would we bless our children to be like Ephraim and Menasheh? What's wrong with Abraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov? Why are they not the ones that we're blessing our children to be like. Especially if you look in the Torah, you will see that in Parashat Lech Lecha Hashem told Abraham Avinu, becha kol which means all the nations, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And Rashi over there explains, Adam Omer Libno, a man will tell his son, Teheke Avraham. I bless you, you should be like Avraham. So obviously, the Berakha, that we bless our children, should be, we should be like Avraham, Itzhak and Yaakov. Why does Yaakov Avinu instruct us that we should bless our children to be like Ephraim and Menashe? If you look, in the Beracha, before he even says the Beracha, Yaakov Avinu gives a little bit of an introduction. He says like this Ha Elohim, which means the God, Asher Hit Halechu Avotai Lefanav, the God that my fathers walked before him, Avraham Veyitzhak. Who are my fathers? Abraham and Yitzhak. Ha-Elohim, the God, ha oti that has been leading me. me'odi from the beginning. Ad ha-Yom till today. So when He speaks, He doesn't just say, God bless you. That's what we say. He doesn't say that. He says, God who is, the one whom my fathers have been following, and also who has been leading me. And then he blesses the children. And look at the blessing he says. And may my children, your children, Ephraim, should they be called Shemi by my name. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Yitzhak. So you see, in the introduction to the Berakha, He keeps talking about his father's and himself and how that relates to Menasheh and Ephraim. The Sephorno says, what does it mean that their name should be following my name? And my father Yitzhak and my grandpa Abraham. What does that mean? That their name should follow my name. Imagine you told your son, may your name follow my name. May your name follow your grandpa's name. What does that mean? Says the Sephorno, it means that... When there's a great person, is a great Sadiq, and we want to say who's his father, who's his grandpa, who's his great grandpa, we will say everyone until we get to a person who is not befitting. For example, we will not call Avraham the son of Terah. That's not the name we want to give him because Terah was not a good man. And therefore, Avraham will not be named after his father. Yitzhak will be named after Abraham Yaakov will be named after Yitzhak and Abraham But for example, Isav, we will not call Isav the son of Yitzhak Even though of course, biologically he is But we don't connect Tzaddikim to reshaim before them Or the opposite, we don't connect reshaim to Tzaddikim before them So when it says you should be named after me and my fathers, it means you should be following our ways and therefore you will be considered worthy of being continuing the line. That's what the Sepharono says. In other words, in other words, he's blessing Menasheh and Ephraim that they should continue to be the sons of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And that is the blessing that we give our children. We give our children the blessing that they should continue the lineage of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. They should follow the Avot that came before them, and through that they will get the blessing of Abraham. Just blessing someone to be Abraham doesn't really have much of a strength to it but blessing someone that they should go in the way of Abraham and they will get the blessing of Abraham that's a biracha that Yaakov says we bless our children so that means every time we're blessing Menashe uh, excuse me our children to be like Menashe and Ephraim what we're really trying to tell them is we bless you that you should hang on to the Avot just like Menashe and Ephraim did and with that, they will be deserving of all the berachot. The pasuk says in the beginning of Sefer Shemot, shemot Yisrael, These are the names of b'nei Yisrael, the children of Yaakov, Habbaim, who are coming to Egypt. Et Yaakov ish ubetobahu. With Yaakov, they came. Egypt. There's an obvious problem in this Pasuk. Usually when you talk about the past, you use a past tense. So it says, The word Habbaim means the ones who are coming. It should say, the one that came. Why does it say "Habaim Mitzrayimah? So some explain beautifully that the Torah over here is not just telling us a historical fact but rather giving us instruction for history. That wherever you are, and wherever you're living in life, in whatever year you're born in, in whichever city you're in, Habaim, the word Mitzrayimah, doesn't only mean Egypt. There's a lot of Egypt in life where people feel stuck, where people feel oppressed, where people feel they can't move on, they can't get higher. Mitzrayim, when a person is in a place that's narrow those who are coming always in life to Mitzrayim if they want to know how to get out of Mitzrayim in their life if you take Yaakov Avinu if you take your grandpa, your great grandpa and you walk through life with the Avot in your life you will be able to live your life successfully. No matter where you are, you can be sure that you're going to be in a good place if you just hang on to Yaakov uveto, Yaakov and his family. Great people in life, when they are about to do something, they ask themselves one question. What would my rabbi have done In this situation. What would my grandpa have done. In this situation. I don't know who it is. That you can go back to in your history. It could be your father. It could be your grandpa. Maybe you have to go all the way to great grandpa. It could be your rabbi. It could be your rebitzen. It could be someone that you see. The continuation of the chain. Of the Jewish people. That's the person you have to go to. And whenever you're in a situation in life. Small or large, difficult, easy, happy or not. The question of great Jews has always been, what would my father have done in this situation? What would my rabbi have done in this situation? And if you can't find, you keep going back. All the way till Moshe Rabenu, if you have to. What would Moshe Rabenu have done in my situation? This is the sure path to success. That's why David al-Melech says in Tehillim, From my elders, I always think how to get their direction. I look to my elders. You know, it says in the Midrash, that the elders of the Jewish people, Midrash says, Amar Rabi Akiva. Nimshelu Yisrael leof. He says, Our people are compared to a bird. Ma haof haze. Eno porreah belo kenafaim. Just like a bird cannot survive without their wings. Kach Yisrael en yecholim. The Jewish people are compared to a bird and the wings of the Jewish people are their elders. Just like a bird cannot get anywhere without his wings, the Jewish people cannot advance without their elders, without their avot. Other animals, other nations in the world No problem. Other nations in the world can exist without their elders. Just like other animals go to a dog, go to a cat, go to a lion. They don't need wings. They can survive without wings. But a bird cannot survive without wings. Says the Midrash, the Jewish people are that way. While the rest of humanity can exist without their elders, our people cannot. The Gemara says in Masechet Baba Kama. There is a saying, says the Gemara. Hamra mare," People say the following saying. Hamra le. Hamra means in Aramaic wine. Wine belongs to the owner. Tivuta, but when you give thanks, le to the one, to the butler who gave you the wine. One more time. The wine belongs to the owner, but the thanks goes to the butler. What does that mean? The Gemara asks, actually, what does that mean? Gemara says, let me give you an example. Gemara says that Yehoshua binun, as the Pasuk says in Devarim, Vihoshua binun male ruach He was a man full of the spirit of wisdom. He was the one who followed Moshe Rabbeinu. How did Yehoshua get this Hokmah? Says the pasuk, "Ki samach Moshe et Yadav alav," because Moshe he put his hand on Yehoshua, and he taught him. Where did Yehoshua get his wisdom from? From Moshe Rabenu. But wait, where did Moshe Rabenu get his wisdom from? It's not Moshe's wisdom. Moshe Rabbeinu's wisdom is not his. Hashem gave it to him. So wouldn't it be more appropriate that it should say, And Yehoshua binun was full of wisdom. Where is the wisdom from? Because Hashem gave the wisdom. Why does the Pasuk say he's full of wisdom because Yehoshua gave it to him? But guess what? Yehoshua, it wasn't his. It's like saying, I rented my house from the real estate agent. That's not true. You rented your house from the owner. Maybe the real estate agent was the middle person to get you to, get you to know the owner. Here it says, you know how Moshe, You know where the, the wisdom of Yeshua came from? From Moshe, not from God. Says the Gemara, that's what people mean when they say, The wine belongs to the owner, but the thanks belongs to the butler. What are they trying to say? Let me tell you what they're saying. They're saying there's no question that the Torah belongs to Hashem. But Hashem made it, and we'll see soon why, that the only way to get the Torah is you have to go through the butler. Just like when you're going to get a drink, you're not going to get it from the king. Someone who works for the king is going to give it to you and you'll thank him because he's the only way you could get it. Hashem made this world that the Torah that he gives us is going to be only received through somebody in the middle. You will not be able to get the Torah by opening a book and say, well, this is the book that God wrote. So let me read His book. It's not like that. God didn't write books for us. God gave us a Torah from generation to generation, as we will soon see. You know what? We'll talk about it right now, instead of we'll soon see. As you all know, we have a Torah shebichtav. It's called the written Torah. It's the Sefer Torah that we hug and kiss and stand up for and learn from. It's called Torah shebichtav, the written Torah. We have also the oral Torah. The oral Torah is not written. The oral Torah was taught to Moshe Ravenu when he was With Hashem by Harsinai. For 40 days and 40 nights, Moshe Rabbeinu was being taught the oral Torah. Now most people, I would say, or a lot of people, really do not understand the relationship of the Torah that's written to the Torah that's only oral. They don't really understand even the value of the oral Torah. So let me give you first a few statements and then we'll go into it. The Gemara says in Masechet Gitin, Lo karat hakadosh baruchu berit im ela bishvil hat Torah Which means the covenant between us and God was only through the oral Torah. Interesting. So not only do we have an oral Torah, the Gemara is saying that that is the reason why we have a covenant with Hashem. Not the written Torah, the oral Torah. The Yerushalmi over there says, Haviv ala Kadosh baruchu, Torah she Baal Peh, the oral Torah is more dear to Hashem me Torah from the written Torah. So as much as we love the written Torah, Hashem says, but I love the oral Torah more. In fact, the Berit I'm making with you, Am Israel, is only through the oral Torah. Which means the written Torah isn't going to cut our relationship. We need an oral Torah to make our relationship solid. The Gemara over there says, there's a halakha, that one is not allowed to write the oral Torah. You cannot take the oral Torah and write it down. And if we see in history at some point where they wrote it down, the Gemara says that was a desperation move. Out of desperation, they had to write it. Because they went into exile all over the place. They were afraid they would lose the basic principles of the oral Torah. They wrote it. But that was not a good thing. Because you're not supposed to write the oral Torah. It's supposed to stay oral only by word of mouth. You're not supposed to write it. Now by the way, it's important for everyone to know the following piece of information that unfortunately many people just are ignorant and don't realize. I'll just I'll tell you a story that happened with me but I'm sure... It's a story that happens all over the place, whether it's actually said or it's thought about. A fellow came to me years ago, right after tefillah and Shabbat. He comes over with his son and they're having this big argument. Their argument Between the father and the son, it seems the son was a little more observant than his father. That's what I understood from the conversation. And the father came over to me and says, tell me, where does it say in the Torah that you can't put on lights on Shabbat? This was the question. And they're arguing. Not sure exactly what the back and forth was. But that's the question that came to me. Rabbi, tell me. He says, I keep the Torah. Tell me where it says in the Torah that you can't put on lights on Shabbat. I told him... That it's an excellent question. But I'm gonna ask him first a few questions. That's what good Jews do. If they get attacked, they attack back. Why do I have to have the pressure? You answer the question. I said, I wanna ask you a question. Show me where it says in the Torah that you should eat meat that was slaughtered by it with a knife at the neck of the animal. I said, I know you only eat kosher. Of course, you have a kosher home. You would never eat a piece of meat that's not kosher. Could you please tell me where it says in the Torah that you're supposed to eat kosher? So, obviously he didn't know the answer. But I helped him. I tell, him, I'll tell you where it says pasuk says in Devarim that when you're about to eat meat, and you should slaughter. If you're eating cattle, if you're eating sheep, slaughter it. How? You know, you know the Torah doesn't come with pictures. There's no visual aid in the Torah. So it says, Okay, so what do you want me to do? How? How should I do it? So the Pasuk says, listen to these words, You should slaughter it like I commanded you. Okay? Go ahead. What are you supposed to do now? Where do you slaughter it from? What do you use to slaughter it? What, what do you cut? How? you know how many halakhot they are? In Al-Khot shahita, how to slaughter an animal? The place, the the, the, the item you're slaughtering with, the way you do it. All of that is in the words, like I commanded you. Commanded you where? Is is it written somewhere else in the Torah? No. Hazal say, from here we see there is the right way to slaughter. Is referring to when I told you on Har Sinai how to slaughter. Moshe, remember how I showed you how to do it? That's how you do it. Now anyone reading this book cannot understand from the book how Moshe Rabenu was taught how to slaughter it. It's not written. I asked this man, could you tell me, I asked him, do you put on tefillin every day? He says, of course. I said, could you show me where in the Torah it says that you should put on tefillin? He says, what do you mean? I read it every day. The Torah says, Vehaya le'ot al yadecha. You should put a sign on your hand. I said, what is this sign? Does it say in the Torah the sign is a black box with parashiot inside? No. So how do you know what it is? And by the way, it says put it on your hand. Which hand? Where on the hand? It says, ben what, what does the word totafot mean? Again, there's no pictures in the Torah. I asked him, do you put on sissit? I see you're wearing a Talet. I said, where does it say you should put on toilet? a A sissit. He said, what do you mean? sissit. I said, what does the word sissit mean? Do you know what it means? Torah doesn't come with a dictionary. What, what does it mean, sissit? What does the word sissit mean? I have no idea. Put on your four-cornered garment sissit. Mitzvot like, sit in the sukkah. What is a sukkah? Tell me what a sukkah looks like. Basukot teshavu shiv'at yami. Go live in a sukkah for seven days. What is a sukkah? doesn't say. Hilchot Shabbat. You're asking me about turning lights on? Tell me where it says anything about Shabbat in the Torah. All the Torah says in the Torah, Lo taase melacha. Don't do melacha. Don't do work. We call that work. Doesn't really mean work, but that's how he translated it. Don't do work. Really, what is work? What defines work? What if I go and carry some furniture upstairs in my house and bring it back down? Is that called work? Would we ever imagine what the work category is? Obviously, when you read the Torah, it's obvious when you read the Torah that there is another Torah when you buy a book in the store and the book is meant for you to understand it in your living room so the author writes in the book all the information that you need to understand it so if I thought you need to learn from my book Hilchot Shabbat I'm gonna to have to go through every detail of Hilchot Shabbat so you can understand what you can't do on Shabbat. There is no way I would write in my book do not do Melacha on Shabbat and expect you to know the thousands of Halachot of Hilchot Shabbat. How would you know that? So when you see a book written the way the Torah is written it's clear that you cannot Rely on this book. It says, Honor your father and mother. Oh, that's an easy one. What does it mean to honor my father and mother? What are the boundaries of that honor? Let's say, for example, my mother wants me to become a plumber. I don't want to be a plumber. Well, it says, Honor your father and mother. Well, guess what? Let's say my father told me to be a plumber and my mother said, I want you to be a doctor. So which one should I follow? Well, it says father, mother. I don't know. How would I know? Where does the father and mother's honor and at what point? Can they force me to marry someone I don't want to marry? Can they force me to take a job that I don't want to take? Can they force me to leave a job that I really want? Can they force me to live on their block? Can they force me not to live somewhere else? I mean, where does honor of father and mother stop? You know how many, there are so many halachot. On the, in the laws of honoring a father and mother? You can know those halakhot when you read the words honor your father and mother? Impossible! There's no way to know anything from that pasuk. There are books today dedicated just to the laws of fa- honoring a parent. You can't learn it from that pasuk. How about another simple Halacha. The Torah says, "Ve'ahavta kamocha." One of the more famous halachot in the Torah. So simple, so nice. Love your friend like you love yourself. So beautiful and so nice. But really, means nothing to the reader, because if you don't tell me the parameters, so what does that mean? What does it mean to love? my friend like I love myself. So for example, if I'm going to buy a car because my lease expired and my neighbor's lease also expired, so should I buy him a car also like mine? When I go shopping for a belt and I know that my friend needs a belt, so should I buy a belt for him too? It says, You should love your friend like you love yourself. So if you're buying a house, should you buy him a house too? What, what does that mean? Where, where are the parameters of this halacha? Do you understand that those words mean absolutely nothing without parameters? What are the rules? What are the rules of don't steal? Another simple. What does it mean to steal? There are so many halachot in the world of stealing. Is that called stealing? Is that called stealing? Returning lost objects. So many details. If a person starts learning the Torah Shebiktar and is honest, they would realize that there isn't one mitzvah in the entire Torah that you would actually know what to do if you read the Sefer Torah. There isn't one. Some are clearer than others but missing a lot of information. So I told this man, you're coming to me to ask me, where does it say that you can't turn on lights in the Torah? In reality, I could ask you on anything you do that's called Jewish, that you're proud of, I would ask you the same question, where does it say? From Tefillin in the morning to your afternoon steak to your charity that you're giving, to your love that you share with your friends and neighbors, to honoring your parents, and so much more. There isn't a halakha that's written clearly. So the Torah Shebaal Peh is clearly there. The Torah, the way it's written, shows that. The question I have for you is, why did Hashem not give the Torah on a little hard drive? A hard drive can fit a lot of information. Could you imagine you? I would give you a hard drive. Imagine Am Yisrael would be by Har Sinai. Millions of people and all the ones coming after them and God would say ladies and gentlemen here is the Torah on a hard drive and don't answer because there were no hard drives then that's not an answer, you understand He's the creator of the world give every Jew living at the time a hard drive this hard drive would be awesome I'll tell you what it does any time you have a question You type in the question and the hard drive would give you the exact answer. You want to know what to do on Shabbat? Type in the question before Shabbat. You have a question, is this kosher, not kosher? Type in the hard drive. You have every answer on every possible question that will come up with in life. Certainly the Creator is capable of making such a hard drive. Why isn't the Torah given on a hard drive? And if you ask me what's the advantage of a hard drive, it's very simple. There's never a mahloket, there's never an argument. Today, any subject that comes up, there's arguments. Oh, God said to do this. The other one said, no, God said to do that. All different opinions. It's not so clear this case. You ever call a rabbi? And you think he's going to give you the answer right away? And he says, well, uh, your case is a little different than the normal case. But you're a rabbi. What does that mean? Don't you know all the answers? No, no, I got to look into this one. The case mentioned in the Gemara is not like this one. I have to really see what to do in this situation. Imagine having it right there. There would be no doubts. There would be no arguments. It would just be a beautiful, easy path to the truth. Anytime you have a question, you type in the question and you have it all. Why didn't the Creator give the Torah in this manner? The way He gave the Torah, He gave a Torah shebiktav and a Torah shebalpe. Before I answer this question, another piece of information that many people don't know, most people look at the Torah and the Torah Shabal Peh that the Torah Shabal Peh is the explanation to the Torah. But in reality, it's a little different than that. It may explain the Torah, but it's really much deeper than that. First of all, you should know, that the oral Torah, Torah Shabbal Peh, was given before the Torah Shabachtah. It's not like Hashem gave us the Sefer Torah and gave us an explanation to it. That's not what it is. In reality, Hashem gave us the Torah Shabal Peh first. The written Torah was only written after 40 years when Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the Torah before he passed away. So in forty years, what did Moshe Rabbeinu get on Har Sinai? Not a Sefer Torah. He did not come down with a Sefer Torah. He came down with Torah Baal Pe. And in the desert for forty years, when our nation was learning Torah, was called the generation of Chokhmah, Dor De'a. That's all they had. They had nothing else to do over there. They had no jobs. They didn't need a job. They didn't have to work. For 40 years, our nation was learning Torah. Dor <coughs> De'ah. What were they learning? There was no Torah. They were learning the oral Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu would sit down with Talmidim. There was a whole system of how he would teach. He would teach Aharon. He would teach his children. He would teach the elders. They would go teach. How would they teach? They would sit in a room. With the rabbi would sit and he would say, Rabbotai, on Shabbat, there's something called a melacha. You can't do that on Shabbat. And then he would say, Guys, what do you think a melachah is? And they would bring out their opinion. He say, okay, let me tell you first. Here are the, there's 39 melachot. One of them is called cooking, Bishul. And someone would raise his hand and say, "But Rabbi, Rabbi Moshe Rabbeinu, wait, hold on. What is, what is bishul? He would say, what do you mean? Yeah, it's cooking. Yeah, but what temperature is called cooking? And Moshe Rabbeinu would say, great question. Let me share with you what temperature is called cooking. Well, Moshe Rabbeinu, I have another question. Hold on, time out. What if something is already cooked and now it got cold? So now, what if I reheat that? Is that cold cooking? That's a great question. Let me share with you how to look at it. Moshe, hold on. What about cooking with the sun? If it's very, very hot out, and I put an egg outside in the hot sun, and it fries, is that cold cooking? And they would discuss that. And Moshe would say, well, why do you think it's not cold cooking? You're asking a question, is it cold cooking? Why not? I mean, the the egg is ready to eat. Well, some would say, well, maybe it's not the same quality as the heat of the fire. Maybe the heat of the fire is much more cooking than the sun. And maybe that's not the quality of cooking that we're looking for. This discussion doesn't end. What about this case? What about that? This is the way the Torah was taught From its inception, they would be a rabbi, they would be talmidim, and they would have discussions, and the rabbi would ask them, what do you think? And you have a question, so what are your two sides of looking at it? How to understand it? And if he had a Mesurah, if he had a tradition on the question, he would say it. If he didn't have a tradition, they would discuss it. Oh, maybe it's like that case that we learned last week. Remember last week we learned about that? This is like that one. And one would say, no, 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 that's different. It's not the same thing, remember? It's different because of this part. And it would be continuous. That's what our nation was doing for 40 years. No Sefer Torah. There was no Torah Shebichtav. So the oral Torah actually was the main Torah. So if you ask, what is the relationship between Torah Shabal Peh and Torah Shabikhta? It's not, oh, this one explains that one. It's not like that. Again, it definitely does explain a lot of parts, but it's much deeper than that. If you would go here, someone speak in public, and they would speak for an hour, about many different points. And you got very, very excited about what that person had to say. So much information. So much content. Stories. Halakha. Musar. After he's finished, your friend walks in. And you say, oh, you missed it. You missed it. It's Shabbat, not recorded. You missed it. That was probably the greatest Hour of Torah I ever heard in my life. Oh, you're killing me. What should I do? He said, I saw the rabbi was reading from a piece of paper. Maybe if he'll give it to you, you'll at least understand what he said from the paper. He says, great idea. Runs up to the rabbi, says, rabbi. I heard it was unbelievable. I wasn't here. But I really want to know what you said. Would you mind to give me your paper that you're reading from? The rabbi says, of course. My pleasure. Oh, he was so happy. He gave him the paper. Comes back to his friend. He says, I got the paper. I got it all. He sits down. Starts reading the paper. Bullet point number one. Gemara masechet Shabbat. yud Period. Bullet point number two. Shulchan Aruch, in Siman, Kuv, Pegima. Period. Story with Rabbi Yohanan and Resh Lakish in Masakhet Ta'anit. Period. The guy reads the whole thing. It's like 25 bullet points. And doesn't understand the word. He goes to his dear friend, who was so enamored and excited by this hour speech. He says, tell me, this looks like anything valuable to you? There's nothing here. It's just, lo- it's just quoting pages and different addresses and saying a story about this one. What did you learn from this paper? Now what happened here? What happened here is there is a man who took a piece of paper. The paper was meant to be bullet points of much more information The rabbi knows a lot more information. He didn't want to forget the information, so he put bullet points. But the bullet points don't represent everything he said. It's just a little bit of a reminder he shouldn't forget what he knows. That's why he wrote those bullet points. He didn't write that paper so a person could pick it up and learn from it. You could tell from a paper who it was written for. If he wanted to give the person all the information, he would write everything out and explain it. But he didn't do that. He wrote a paper that was bullet points for himself. That is really the relationship of the Torah Shebiktav and Torah she balpe. The real Torah is the oral Torah. That is the Torah. The written Torah is like bullet points so that you don't forget the concepts. So it gives you in summary what it is. But there's no way you could learn from it unless you have someone teaching you. The way Hashem gave us the Torah is that we would get these bullet points, but we would have to go to learn from our father, from our grandpa, from our rabbi, from his rabbi. That's the only way you're going to be able to learn the Torah. You need to go to your avot. You need to go to your fathers before you. That is the way the Torah was given to Am Yisrael. Now if you ask me, why didn't Hashem give us everything written? Wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't it be better? Answer is, I'm sure there are many answers to this question. I do not come here to tell you that I know everything that Hashem thought about when He did this. But clearly, one of the answers is that when you learn Torah from a book, it's dry. It's on the shelf. I one time went to a lawyer's office. It's going back 20 years. And I'm sitting in this conference room and I see all these books all around. All the books have the same exact cover and they all have very similar lettering. But it starts like AA, A-B, A-C. The whole room has all these books, and they seem to be in order with all the number and the lettering. And I'm waiting for the lawyer to come in, and I'm just looking around all these books, and I'm just amazed how many law books there are that a lawyer has to study. I mean, I study all the time. And I'm looking, and I'm just wowed by how much information this man must know. So I'm sitting with him and I'm intrigued to understand. I said, I want to ask you a question. You know all these books? You learn all these books? So he left. He says, no, of course not. I says, so what are all these books? He says, these are all the laws of this country. He says, anytime I have a case, I have a situation. So I look up the case in the book and I learn about the case. And I'll be able to better represent my, uh, my client. And right there and there I realized the difference between Torah Shebikhtav and Torah Shebaal Peh. Torah is a book. That hard drive I told you about, you put it in one of your rooms in the house and whenever you need it, you just ask. But the Torah Shebaal P doesn't work like that. The Torah Shebaal Peh has no shelf. The shelf of the Torah Shebaal Peh is your mind. The shelf of the oral Torah is you. You see, the Torah was given to us not to put on a shelf and use it when we have a question. The Torah is supposed to be alive inside of us. The Hilchot Shabbat is supposed to be part of my life. Whether I have a question this Shabbat or not. But I have Shabbat in me. Kibud Avvahem is part of who I am. It's not a question that I ask when there is a situation. The situations are in me for always and for eternity. Hashem gave us a Torah Hayim. It's a Torah that lives inside of me. The situations of life only remind me of what I know and don't know. But in reality, what lives inside of me is the Torah that I learned. When I read a book, so I only turn to it when I need information. But when I have to learn from my rabbi, so I have to store the information in me. I am a walking Sefer Torah. That's why it says in the Gemara that there were people in a certain city that when the Torah would come out, they would all stand up. But a Tamir Hacham would walk by and they wouldn't stand up. So he told them, you guys are fools. He says, you stand up for a Torah that's sitting on parchment, but a living Sefer Torah you don't stand up for? The goal of the Torah is to make us a living Sefer Torah. It may sound strange to somebody, why would I need to be a living Sefer Torah? But you should know that life isn't so much about what you do, It's more about what you are. Let me explain that for a moment. Life isn't about doing kindness. It's about being a kind person. It's a very big difference. The goal of life is not to do kindness. The goal of life is to be a kind person. It's a very big difference. And if you ask me what's the difference, I'll tell you. First of all, it's possible to do kindness, and you're not kind. Like we see all over the place. People do kindness for many reasons. I do kindness to you because I want something back from you. I do kindness because I want people to respect me. I do kindness because I want people to marry my daughter. I do kindness for many reasons. I'm not necessarily a kind person. That's why there are many people that do a lot of great things, for the community, and it could be in their own homes, they're not so kind. And their wives, like, scratch their head, I don't understand. Everyone comes to you for help. But in the house, you're like, not really so kind. What happened to you? Now, the answer might be in his mind that, oh, really I'm a kind person, but in the house it's harder for me. But let me tell you the real answer. The real answer is that you're not a kind person. And you do kindness when you're on stage. When you're on stage and the curtains are open and people are watching, so you'll do a lot of beautiful things. But when they close the stage and now you're behind closed doors, so the real you, may the real you come out. And the real you is not so kind. That's a reality. That's why the Ariza says that in Shamaim they have a special lane for people who are balih there's a special lane for kind people. And he writes that a kind person is going to go to Shemayim after one twenty. He's not such a great person, but one thing he has, he was a big, 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 philanthropist. He was the address for kindness on this planet Earth. So he sees, luckily for him, he sees this is a lane for Bale HaHesed. He's so excited. In this lane, you don't have to ask, answer any questions. They don't ask you anything about your life. You just go straight through. Okay, so he's ready to go through. He's walking through. Somebody comes and says, Hold on, stop. Where are you going? He says, look. it says, Baal Hasid. That's me. I'm going through. He says, you're Baal Hasid? He says, "Well, you guys don't know people like me? He said, don't you know what I did? He says, what would you do? He says, I built hospitals. I built yeshivas. I built old age homes, I gave charity, I gave people all kinds of help with my money, with my time, with my advice. I was the chesed address of the world. They said, "No, oh, we know all about those things. But to get into this lane, we don't look at any of those things. He says, what? I mean, you don't look at any of those things. What do you look at then? You don't look at the yeshivas I built? At the money I gave? At the people I helped? So, what do you look at? He says, over here we look at one thing. How did you treat your spouse? He got off the lane right away. <laughs> says, what? What is that? What just happened? It doesn't mean they won't give you reward for the good things you did. But this lane is for Balech, I said. You're not a Balech. Move on. Somebody, I once actually said this in a wedding under a chupah. Never again. But after the chupah, a week later, a guy calls me up. He's, Rabbi, I have to meet with you. I'm keeping it inside for a week straight. I have to talk to you. So I saw it was like, pikuach Nefesh. It was really, it was like, I felt like Hatzalah. I ran to Shul to meet with a guy. I said, what's wrong? He says, you know, last week at that wedding, I was there. I was listening. I said, okay, great. He says, what you said in the name of the Arizal? I said, yes. He says, that's terrible. I said, why? He says, I don't understand. A man does so much kindness, and they tell him, we don't look at that? Like, he said, how unfair is that? He's all upset and angry. I saw him, I saw him, I said, hey, you come down. I gave him some arak, first a drink. I told him, listen to me. I told him, you have a fundamental mistake in life. It's a very deep-rooted mistake. And because of this mistake, it's causing all kinds of problems. I said, you think that we're in this world to do kindness. I said, let me be the first to teach you. You're not. We're here to be kind people. Of course, you can't be kind and not do kindness. That's obvious. And it could be the way to become kind is to do kindness. But we're not here to do kindness. We're here to be kind people. Those are very different things. Because it's very possible to do a lot of kindness, including all the things that guy did. But he's not a kind person. The real person is when nobody's looking. When it's safe. When there's no worries about how I'm going to act. Now, may the real you come out. Let me see who you really are. Let me see the kindness behind closed doors. We're here to become quality people. We're not here to do quality things. Every commandment in the Torah is like that. It's not so much about don't steal. Rather, it's don't be a thief. It's a very, very big difference. There are a lot of people that would steal in a heartbeat, but just can't. They can't say, oh, well, I fulfilled that commitment. I didn't steal. You didn't steal because you can't steal. Because you were in jail for 30 years. That's why you didn't steal. In, in a minute, you would steal. You know how many people of us would also steal if we had the chance to steal a lot of money and nobody would ever know, guaranteed? Imagine I told you you could take billions of dollars right now from this little security box. Nobody, guaranteed would ever know. Nobody would ever know. Nah, it would be a hard test. People don't steal because they don't want to be on the front pages of the New York Times. People don't steal because they're afraid of the, of the police department. They don't want to go to jail. But in essence, they're thieves. They would steal anytime. time. They just can't. That's not what's what I wants from us. Torah doesn't want us not to steal. It wants us not to be thieves. It doesn't want us to honor our parents. It wants us to be the type of people who live with that understanding and live with that kavod. It's a very big difference in how you approach Torah. Torah isn't meant to be a book of what you do. Torah is meant to be a book of what you become. You need to become a different person. Now, if the situation comes up and what you became will be able to be presented in the physical reality, so then you do it. But it's more about you than about what you do. Torah Shebikhtav, the written Torah, is a book you turn to when you need to know what to do. But Torah Shebaal Peh is a Torah that lives in you. It makes you a different person. Whether you have the chance to steal or not, when you learn about stealing and you learn about what's right and wrong and you argue about it and you scream about it and you take a position about it and you hear what they say about it, you know what happens after you learn that? You become much more sensitive to honesty and to stealing. When you learn about lost objects and returning lost objects and you argue about it and you learn about it, it makes you a person that would return a lost object. Whether you actually find it or not, that's not really so important. But you've become a certain type of person. Torah Shebiktav is like the lawyer. When he needs something, he goes to the book section. What's the case? Oh, the car hits pedestrian. Let me see what it says about that. Torah doesn't live in him. The law doesn't live in him. It's something he uses when he needs to know something. But Torah Sheba'al Peh was given to us orally so that when we sit to learn, it has to come through learning. It has to come through back and forth. It has to come through arguing. When you do that, the Torah becomes, But like the, like it says, Ki'im betorat Adonai 1st parak of Tehillim. It is a great man. He wants Torah Hashem. Up Torah to Yehege, Yomam i Hazal say it becomes your Torah. It starts as Torah Hashem. But it's meant to become your Torah. You're supposed to be that person. Whether the situations in life arise or don't arise, that's a side point. Torah Pe makes us own the Torah. Hashem doesn't want a reference book. He wants you to become a different person. And by the way, you could see it on people. I one time had an experience with a certain fellow who afterwards I found out, I didn't know when I started learning with him, was going back years, that uh, his Shalom Bayit was really horrendous. He was coming to learn every day. And uh, I saw his wife, like, probably five or six months after. And she says, Rabbi, what are you teaching my husband? Now, I'm I'm always hesitant to answer that question. Because I'm not sure where she's coming from. Either she wants to, like, kill me, or she's saying, great, I don't know. So I just try to say, I'm not sure why. Like, what? just try to understand where she's coming from. So she says to me, "Uh, he's a different man the way he talks to me, the way he treats his children, I find it to be a little more calm. I mean, he's not perfect. So what are, you, what are you learning with him? What book is that? So honestly, that year, we were learning berachot. what beracha do you make on chickpeas? That was like a subject. Took a few days to get that. What birakha do you make if you crush the chickpeas? Now you came and see chickpeas. It's a whole discussion. That took a few weeks right <coughs> there. The whole three, four months we're learning the halacha of what birakha to make on different foods. And she's sitting there saying, So, one second, you're learning the beracha on chickpeas? And my husband... Became a chickpea? Like what? what happened then? What? Like what happened? What? What are you saying? Like, all right, tell me the truth. What are you learning with him? You could tell me. I won't learn it if you don't. But what is it? So I told them The Torah. When Hashem gave us the Torah in Har Sinai. It says over there, he came down with a fire. That's what it says. He came with a fire. That's how Hashem decided. That's the vehicle Hashem decided to take. You know, he has many vehicles in his garage. Yeah. He could have came down in Air Force One. He could have came down with clouds. could have came down through the sun. He could have came down however way he would have liked but he decided to come down with fire. Interesting. Why would the creator of the world, when he came to give this precious Torah to Am Yisrael, come down in a fire? Why not rain? What's a fire? I would have voted against fire. Fire is destructive. Rain gives food to the world, gives life to the world. Come down with wind. Come down in snow. Fire is very unique in that it destroys, like many other things destroy. The wind could destroy. Water could destroy. We've seen damage from water. We've seen damage from the winds. Earth can destroy. And fire could destroy. But there's something very unique about fire that doesn't exist in anything else. And that is that when fire burns something, when it destroys, it makes it a piece of fire. When water destroys, it doesn't make it a piece of water. When wind comes, it doesn't make it a piece of wind. When earth destroys, it doesn't become a piece of earth. But when fire destroys, it makes that A piece of fire. I told this woman, I said, when someone learns Torah and they're fighting for the truth of any subject. I said, they're getting attached to the fire of Torah. And when you get attached to the fire of Torah, you become a piece of Torah. You become a piece of fire. And it's only a matter of time that you become a different person. It's not about what you do. You become a different person. So you could learn chickpeas, and you're getting karma. Because the Torah is living inside of you. And the more you learn and the more you commit and the more you delve, the more the Torah is making a real change in the person. It's something... We see literally every day. It's not anyone who's out there and sees it, I'm blessed to see it. It's clear. Torah changes a person. But not Torah shebiktav. You take a Tanakh and read every day, one perik of Tanakh. It's beautiful. Tanakh is important. But Tanakh doesn't change your life. Tanakh is a book that you read and you get information. But when you sit to learn the oral Torah, Mishnah, Gemara, and you delve into it, you're a new human being. Of course, you have to be committed. If you go and you just listen to what they're saying, it doesn't do that much. But if you're committed and you're learning it, you will change. That's why Hashem gave us the Torah, Shabbat al Pe, because the purpose of life is not to do right and to do good, but it's to be good and to be right. And that, the Torah, Shabbal Peh gets. Why can't you write Torah Shabbal pe? Halacha says, you can't write it. Why can't I write it? Could you imagine what learning Torah was like in the good days before they had no choice but to write it? In the good days, you know what happened? No one could write the Torah. So what would they do? They'd sit in a class and the rabbi's talking. He's talking by heart. The only book he has in front of him is the Torah Shabal And everything he says. You know how much they have to focus on? Because if they don't focus, then they missed it. And you know what happens after they went to the class and they focused? On their way home, you know what they have to do? They have to like let me let me review one more time. Again, what did he say? Because if you don't review well what you learned, you know what happens? You forget it. And then there's no notes. There's no recorder. Do you know what kind of quality Torah learning was being done in the generation when you couldn't write it, so you couldn't refer back to it? You listened with intensity. You reviewed because you had to get it, otherwise it's gone. You know what that did to your Torah? It became alive inside of you. Today, you have books, you missed the class. You have the recording, you play it again. You fell asleep a half hour, don't worry. It's time. How many people come to the class here and fall asleep? I, I see it all the time. People fall asleep. I'm, not, I'm not upset with anybody. I understand. I'm sure you'll catch it in the recording. What's the big deal? And when the recording comes, you'll miss the other half hour you fall asleep. you so catch that one again. There's, there's no urgency in our learning. It's all written, it's all recorded, you can always get back to it. I saw a video recently. Very cute. I don't know if it was real, it looked real. There's this big yeshiva in Israel. Hundreds of boys, hundreds of boys in the yeshiva. And the Roshiva gets up to give a shiur. You have to see it in awe. Oh, the whole place standing. The Roshiva comes to the front. Big table in front of him. He sits down. All the boys mad rush to the front. They're running. You don't know what they're running. You think they're gonna grab the Roshiva. What are they doing? Each one has a recorder in his hand. And they're all rushing to put their recorder on the table in front of the Rosh Hashiva. It's a big shiur. Five minutes later, you see the table has 250 recorders. It was so beautiful. Then the Rosh Hashiva starts talking. Five minutes later, the whole place is sleeping. <laughs> now you're laughing. This is real. This is real-time reality. That the... When, when you have something to lean on, you never learn how to walk by yourself. So when you have the papers and the notes and the recordings and the book and the... You never invest in yourself. Hashem gave us a Torah pet, because He wants the Torah to be in us. We can't rely on the paper that's written. We have to work on it so we could own it, so it could change us, so the fire of Torah could be inside of us, not a fire that we go to grab when we need something. I just gave you a few, there's more. But for today I'm going to give you another reason. You know what Torah Shabbat Al-Ped does for us? does something very beautiful. It makes us search for Avoteno. It makes us look for your father and grandfather and rabbi and his rabbi. It makes us work to find the information, by connecting to the previous generation. You see, when there was no written Torah, when there was no Gemara, so you as a Jew growing up, and you want the Torah, where are you getting it from? Well, you can't go to Hashem. I mean, it's His Torah, but you can't go to Him. The only way to go to Him is you got to find someone before you who got it from someone before him, who got from someone, before him. And the link of the Jewish people would be created not through the Torah that we kiss and dance with. The lineage of the Jewish people is created through the Torah Peh. Even today, when we have books written, but still you need a rabbi. You need to learn how to learn. You need someone to guide you. It keeps us connected to Moshe Rabbeinu. And in fact, Hazal tell us, Ezehu Am Who's considered an Am Like a, a low-level Jew. Who is that? The Gemara says in Masechet Brachot. It's someone who learned, who learned, but he didn't serve his rabbi. What does it mean to serve your rabbi? It means when you have a Torah to learn and you need him to teach you, you know what happens to you? You become a student to him. You become subservient to him. He said, well, what can I get for you? You need him. You better respect him. He's giving you your Torah. He's the address. You know when someone has something you need? You know in business, when there's a buyer who has the key to your account? You know what you give him for the holidays? Anything he wants. He wants a car? Give him a car. What what do you want? You write him a nice card? Every week I write you a card. You have the key to my success. You know what happens when your rabbi is the key to today's world? Oh, you don't want to teach me? I'll go somewhere else. Oh, I have another book. I need, I need you. But in that time, it wasn't like that. You had people that you went to to learn. And you, need, you needed them. They didn't need you. You needed them because without them, you're lost. You have nowhere to start. You know nothing without them. So you know what happens? You become a servant of your rabbi. You say, rabbi, what can I get for you? Can I help you with something? You walk into the room with respect. Your rabbi says something, you follow. You have an awe. And if you ask me, why is that important? Because the only way to have awe of God and respect for God and serve God is you have to have a mashal in this world. You have to have like a parable, a a life-size person that you could do that too, that you could elevate from Him to serve God. You can't serve God directly. You need to go through somebody else. Even the angels, every morning in Shahrit we read, the angels, when they come to crown God, it says, they get reshut, they get permission, ze la zeh, they give permission one to the other. You can't go straight to God. You need someone between. That's why God gave you parents. He gave you rabbis. The, The oral Torah makes us, forces us to have a rabbi. And forces us to need a rabbi. And forces us to have the awe and respect for our rabbi. Because we're getting the Torah through him. He's the one that we have to thank. Like Yeshua had to thank Moshe. This is the the way, not only by Moshe and Yeshua, throughout the generations. Throughout the generations. I have to thank my rabbi for giving me his Torah. Even though it's Hashem's Torah, but Hashem wanted me to get it through Him. This is what creates the lineage of the Jewish people. Without our Talmideh HaChamim and our connection to them, we're like a bird that can't fly. We have nowhere to go. There's no way that we can get anywhere. That is why it's so critical. When we say in the Amida Avotenu, When we say, you are the God of our fathers, it is our pledge that we will hold on to their Torah. Let me just share with you a beautiful Teshuvah of Rambam. The Rambam, as you know, is one of the greatest Jews that ever lived. He wrote many, many books. They're all on the shelves over there, on all subjects. One time, somebody sent him a question about a certain subject and he wanted to know what's the halacha? Is it right? Is it wrong? So we have these teshuvot, these back and forth questions, answers. We have the actual teshuvah. So the person asked, Nishal min harav hagadol. He's saying, I want to ask from the great rabbi, Marana, Verabana, Moshe, he calls him Moshe, Ben Maimon. What's this question? He told them about a certain person who, when he came to Shul with his talit, they saw he has the entire parasha of Sisit from the Torah. Right? It says, "The whole parasha of Sisit that's written in the Torah." He basically got someone to write it on his talet. Beautiful. So when you looked at his back, you would see the whole parasha of the Sisit. And over there, he says, gadol ha'ir, the great person in that city, when he saw this man, he gave him a few words, he didn't appreciate what the guy was wearing, and that fellow didn't accept the rebuke. He said, what's wrong with it? What does it say? You can't put in on your talit the parasha of Sisit. What's the problem? What am I doing wrong? So they sent the question to the Rambam. Is there anything wrong with someone writing the parasha of Sisit on his talit? Seems like a beautiful, beautiful ornament. Very, very holy. Anything wrong with that? So the Rambam writes him back. He says, Ma'aseze, He says, this action, he says, is, het, is a sin. Ve'en nachon klal, and it's not right at all. Really? Mishne ta'amim, for two reasons. The first reason, I'm not going to go into it, it'll take us too much time. He goes through intricate halachot. If you could write pesukim <clears throat> on, 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 on a toilet. He says, Ve'od, let me tell you why it's wrong to do this. Ki he says, This action of writing the parasha of sisit on someone's talit, who hadash, is something new. Lo shama'nu me'olam. We never heard of someone doing such a thing. Now, if you looked in the Torah, You wouldn't see anything wrong with it. But we don't... We weren't born yesterday. We have rabbis. We have parents. We have grandparents. If you never saw something, then it's wrong. Because if they didn't do it, well, you can't start. Judaism doesn't start with you. You're not smarter than people before you. So if you never saw something, then that's a reason Why you shouldn't do it. You don't start taking on... People a lot of times have ideas. Oh, let's do this. Emotional. Great, beautiful. What, you have a source for that? But why do you need a source for that? You do need a source for that. We're not a nation that was born yesterday. We have Avotenu. Look at this amazing Gemara. The Gemara says... Rabbi Eliezer. this. is suka. Rabbi Eliezer, it says, spent one Shabbat in the Galil in the north. Veshaluha. I guess he's not from there. This great man came, Rabbi Eliezer, so they took the opportunity. You know, when you sit with a great person, you don't waste your time eating donuts. You try to get any information out of the person. So when they sat with Rabbi Eliezer on Shabbat, they took advantage. They asked them 30 questions in the halachot of sukkah. I bet you don't even know 30 questions. They asked him 30 questions in the halachot of sukkah. It must have been sukkot. time. Huh? Gemara says, 12 of the questions he told them I heard I learned about that 18 questions he said "Lo shamati." I don't know I never learned that one some say it was 18 that he knew and 12 that he didn't know fine, doesn't make a difference so Amrulo they were very surprised. They said to him, Kol devarecha. You mean to tell me everything you say? Enan ela mipia so everything you teach, everything you talk about, everything you taught us, it's only from things that you heard? He says, listen, let me, let me tell you something. He says, Me? He says, I was the first one in the bet midrash every day. I never slept in the bet midrash. He says, I never let someone leave before me in the bet midrash. He's trying to say, I'm a hard worker. I never left the bet midrash. I never I wasn't lazy. He says, I never spoke mundane talks. VeLo amarti Davar Shelo Shamati Mipir Bime I never in my life said something that I didn't hear from my rabbi. Do you imagine? This is Rabbi Eliezer, one of the great Tanaim. He never repeated something he never heard. If he never heard it, he doesn't say it. The Gemara says the same thing on Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakai. The Gemara talks about his greatness, something not normal. Same thing. He said, I never, never said something that I didn't hear from my rabbi. That's how committed they were to, ra- to their rabbi. And by the way, that's why the famous story of Nadav Avihu. We all know the story on Yom Kippur when we take out the Sefer Torah and we, have, we sing a song for the death of Nadav Avihu. We read about them. Nadav Avihu were these two giant people, the sons of Aharon, on the inauguration of the Mishkan. It was a beautiful, amazing day the whole purpose of Yetzi'at Mitzrayim, they're going to build the Mishkan. On the inauguration of the Mishkan, the Pasuk says, they took, each one took a pen and they put fire in it and they put ketoret, incense, in their pan, and they wanted to bring a gift to Hashem. They were so excited about this great moment, they wanted to bring a gift. So they put in their pan a fire with ketoret and they came. The says, says, fire came from Hashem and consumed them and they died on the spot. What did they do? The Pesuk says they brought a fire that Hashem never commanded. Hashem never told them to bring ketoret. What did they bring it for? So the truth is we understand that, what that means. Don't, But to go and kill them? What's so bad about I mean, they did it from the kindness, from excitement, they wanted to show God how much they appreciated this moment. but it didn't come from a bad place. What was so bad about that? Rashi says from the Gemara, the reason why lo metu, they didn't die because of fire. lo metu because they had Moshe Rabbeinu to ask, they should have asked him. You have Moshe Rabbeinu there, and you don't ask? You do it on your own? That's a big no-no. You might ask me, so something worthy of killing? The answer is, the answer is, that the entire Jewish religion is connected by links to Moshe Rabbeinu. When someone decides they're going to do it their own way, then there's no more Judaism. This is a major problem. Saying things on your own, doing things on your own, is not just, oh, you're independent, no, no. You're destroying our entire connection to Har Sinai. Till today, I and you live Har Sinai. How do I know I live Har Sinai? Because I'm following my father, my grandpa. I'm following Rambam. I'm following Rashi. I'm following the Bet Yosef. I have a connection. But the minute I become independent is the beginning of the end. And that's why it was such a terrible tragedy that had to happen when they didn't ask Moshe Rabbeinu, when they wanted to do something new. Bottom line is this has been proven throughout our history. Whenever there was a sect of Jews that decided to leave the oral Torah or do things on their own, it was only a matter of years when there were no more Jews in that group. Look even today in the last 100, 150 years. Unfortunately, it's terrible. How many Jews today were lost? Lost. Much more than the Holocaust. Lost. Why? Because if 150 years ago, maybe a little more, they were, they were a group of Jews that decided that they, they are more enlightened Than the previous generation and they decided they're going to start doing things a little different a little more modern something to fit the style of the generation a little more this a little more that nothing wrong with being modern and there's nothing wrong with being different but you have to have guidance you can just decide on your own let's do this where'd you learn that from that movement that started so innocently believe it or not the reform movement in europe started All they wanted to do was move the Teva from the front of the Bet Knesset till the middle of the Bet Knesset they felt that was more European that was more right in the middle and some of the great people at that time already smelled some disconnection from tradition today reform movement they're really it 's a shame it 's horrible they 're not really Jewish a lot of them are not really married to jews they didn 't weren 't born from jews they don 't I saw once an unbelief. i can't, i still can 't believe it that most or a large percentage of reformed rabbis don 't believe in God like what does that mean i don 't know what that means but reform today is no law, zero it 's gone like wh- what happened to the to the to the Karaim what happened to the uh, uh, S- sedukim gone. They're not here anymore. The only Jews that can continue are the Jews that hold on tight to their fathers and hold on tight to the Mesorah. That is the way Hashem gave the Torah. He gave the Torah specifically. Remember what we said last in the beginning of this class? Hashem says, my Berit with you is dependent on the Torah Shibal Peh not the Torah shibchtav. Torah shibchtav is not going to get you anyway. You need to hold on to your come in front of Hashem in our Amidah as a link to our fathers. As Hashem, we should find yeah. the right people to look up to and connect ourselves with them and be matsliyah in becoming the esh of Torah. Amen ve Amen. Have a wonderful day.